2: you have an Airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
3: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
0: Kara Natterson, MD, and Vanessa Krull Bennett are co authors of This is So Awkward Modern Puberty Explained. Kara Natterson, MD, is a pediatrician and New York Times best selling author. Vanessa Krull Bennett is a puberty educator and writer. Together, they host the puberty podcast, run Order of Magnitude, the leading brand dedicated to flipping puberty positive. And now they've written This is So Awkward. Kara and Vanessa can be found on Instagram and TikTok at spillingthepuberty. Get it? P-U-B-E-R-T-E-A. Perhaps their biggest cred, however, is that between them, they parent six teens. Welcome, Kara and Vanessa, to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to Discuss This Is So Awkward. Modern Puberty Explained. I love this cover so much, by the way. This is amazing. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. Yay. This book is so great because it's really like written exactly for someone, for me, like my age, I've got my kids and you're, it's so great. Cause you're like, when we were young and I'm like, yes, when we were young, this is the way it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel so seen. I'm like, does she, do they know like, what, my <laughs> like here? Uh, what I've done with my kids? Anyway, congrats on the book. Why, why write the book and
2: why you too? Oh God. There's so many answers to that question. I think we'd start with the fact that we spend all day, every day together on Zoom across the country, thinking about, talking about, and helping people through the process of raising kids through puberty. This is like our ultimate mission is to help people feel knowledgeable and empowered to tackle this stage of life, which is messy and overwhelming and confusing, And we want to help people feel like, okay, I can do this and I can do it with some joy and some laughter instead of feeling like, oh God, I'm just like, I'm (laughs) victim to this time. We want people to feel really confident.
3: And we wanted to write to a much bigger audience than parents. It's every adult who has a kid between eight and 18 in their life. So teachers and coaches and healthcare providers and mental health providers and, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents and everyone. This has been a a, a really important piece to our journey is recognizing all the people who are heavily invested in the safety and health of kids.
0: That actually was something that surprised me about the book is it was not only about, you know, acne and whatever. I mean, you have all the important things like, you know, all the all the touchstones yes, that we all know is very important. Yeah, uh, you know, just like all the regular <laughs> things you think about with puberty, but you have things like what to do about teen sports and over uh, you know, kids sports and overspecialization and how that can be a detriment and other things that maybe you don't think about as much. And especially your whole chapter. Well, we could talk about sports, but the whole chapter on. Eating behaviors, disorders, all of that I found so interesting. It's like
3: every kid has to eat. You know, like (laughs) so how do you handle it? I think that the way to think about how we went about choosing topics to cover was we took the narrow definition of puberty, right? Mm -hmm. Which is just the path through sexual maturation. And that's an easy set of chapters to cover because you know, my background is a pediatrician, Vanessa's background is a puberty educator. It's a very easy path to go through. But then we pulled the lens back and looked at the much broader definition. So all of the other things that the reproductive hormones impact. So estrogen and progesterone and testosterone impact your mood. Mm -hmm. Your mood impacts your friendships and Mm -hmm. your family dynamics. So how do you write a book about puberty and how puberty has changed without talking about friendships and romance and sports because those hormones impact your joints and impact overuse injury. So all these things that people never tethered to puberty before, we're like, hi, we're here (laughs) to tell you they're all connected. And And I
2: think also, I mean, I have four kids, Car has two kids, they're all between 13 and 20, all six of them. And we were thinking about our lives. I mean, the book is totally based in science and data and research, but it's also informed by us as human beings and as parents. And we were thinking about, God, what are the things day to day that like no one thinks about as puberty, but are really big deals. So the youth sports over specialization chapter affects both of us deeply and very personally. And I come from a background of coaching girls in sports and we talked to people and we're like do we keep this chapter do we cut this chapter and everyone was like no keep it because everyone deals with this and nobody thinks of it as a puberty thing but it really is a big part of adolescence and and supporting kids throughout us and so that's just one example but we just <laughs> we loved we sat down and we thought about everything i mean i'm curious to be like what were you shocked at any of the chapters or just pleasantly surprised by certain topics coming I, I coming your way? Yeah, I was just pleasantly
0: surprised that uh, that it was more that it had a wider breadth than I expected. Although the whole time I kept thinking I need them to write a menopause book called this is so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe you could do like a follow-up for the parents of the teenagers or something like that. We're,
2: we're on it. We're on it. We <laughs> probably won't call it, this is so depressing because we're trying to stay optimistic and constructive, but we'll find.
3: <laughs> I might be a little further along in that journey than Vanessa and she's got some serious foreshadowing happening. <laughs> it's, on like, it's,
2: all, it's, all, it's all before me. It's all laid <laughs> ahead. But it is because that's another part of it, right? So many people who are caring for kids in puberty are themselves, on their own roller coaster of physical and emotional changes. And it's like, if you're down at the same time or you're up at the same time, it all intersects and affects the things you say, the things you shouldn't have said, Mm -hmm. all of the (laughs) regrets.
0: Which one of you was it who, when your son asked you about rape, you were just like, oh, it's, oh, that was him. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It was like, it was like four kids getting breakfast on a Saturday morning. And I cannot believe as like an ardent feminist that that was how I responded to the question of rape. I'm like, still like, oh my God, my mea culpa is that I wrote about it in the book with such (laughs) brutal honesty, but like, that's how it is. You're just getting by every day and doing your best. And we all screw up. I mean, Cara and I screw up Every single day, multiple times a day. Well, maybe just once a day. Uh, oh, no. Mine is multiple <laughs> times a day. I mean, Zippy, I had... My 13-year-old lost his backpack last Friday and called me, and I was like screaming at him on the phone with all of his friends around him, right? So I like was doubly terrible. And then he got in the car, and I was like, I am so... Sorry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. It's not that big of a deal. And he was like, "It's okay, Mom. You were allowed to be angry. But it's it's in the humanity of it. It's in the it's in the mess up and the go back and the repair of it where we really, I think, do our best work with kids in puberty."
0: I had that too. I messed up the bus situation yesterday and they were like on the bus, off the bus. I forgot to, <laughs> I forgot to do the form right, blah blah blah. <laughs> and like you know, one of my kids got off the bus and just was like glaring at me. I was like, I know, (laughs) I know, I know. And he's like, but you weren't, I was like, I know, I know. And it was like a whole thing. And then again, this morning when like, we were all calm, I was like, listen, I just want you to know again that I am so sorry. And I felt so terrible and it will never happen again, which it probably will, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it won't. I mean, you have to fill out these forms every day. Anyway. Yes. I think a big piece of parenting in general, regardless of age is owning up to your mistakes and seeing, you know, that, that we're all human beings, especially, you know, but anyway, I love that you put that in the book and like every little, it, it's a bit that you put in about your own journeys was, was relevant. I was hoping we could go back to the, the eating disorders chapter and like, oh, how yes. to, sure, you, know, you even had all these really helpful Q and A's about what are you supposed to say? If, you notice somebody avoiding a food group. If you see, you know, sneaking food wrappers and all of that stuff, which I used to do as a kid, I have to be honest. It was Me like too. Hershey kisses under my bed and stuff. So I was like, what should my mom have said? <laughs> what should I say if well, this happens?
3: I mean, right, because we can give all the data in the world and we can set up the problem till mm-hmm. the cows come home. But if we don't give solutions and yep. we don't help people understand different ways through. There's not one way through, by mm-hmm. the way, depending upon the family setup, depending upon the personalities in the house, depending upon age, depending upon all these different factors, health and and all the social dynamics, everyone's path through, even through eating issues, which feel very, almost very binary, right? Like, here's how you avoid them. Here, No, mm-hmm. they're different conversations. There are different levels of sophistication. There are different self-esteem drivers. Is your kid on social media or not? That's really going to change the way you have the conversation. So, you know, the reason that we wrote this book together, I mean, other than the fact that we were looking for an excuse to spend yet another 5 million hours together <laughs> on Zoom, was that my background and my strength is data and science and health and medicine. And Vanessa's superpower is understanding how to translate that into conversation, into action. And together, we've now had the opportunity to work together for years, to have a podcast together, to run workshops together, and to get direct feedback. I mean, my direct feedback started when I started seeing patients 20, almost 25 years ago, but this is a very different and very important form of direct feedback when you put suggestions out into the wild. So when it comes to eating issues, the numbers are staggering. They are staggering. When you look at body dissatisfaction, if you think that this is a predominantly female issue, you are wrong. This has no gender. Half of all body image issues belong to people who identify as male, half belong to people who identify as female. And if you are on the gender spectrum, your risk of having an issue with how your body looks, whether it's body dysmorphia or eating disorder or whatnot is significantly higher than if you are not on the gender spectrum. If you start digging into some of the specifics about what kids do and why, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at all the downward pressures in our society and all the drivers of that behavior, right? But that leaves the adults in these kids' lives feeling very helpless. And you're not helpless. Mm -hmm. If you are looking for spark notes of this book, it's one sentence. Engage in conversation. That's it. Without judgment, without shame. And eating embodiment is the very best example of engaging in conversation and beginning to understand how different kids that are in your lives feel about what's going into their body or how their body looks.
2: And it's also the perfect example of places where we all bring our own stuff into Mm -hmm. the conversation. I mean... A lot of us struggle with body image stuff as well into adulthood. Many people still struggle with eating disorders well into adulthood. And so this is an example where our own baggage can be really difficult to leave behind in our conversations with kids. And one of the things we like to talk about in the book, and it's really, really critical with respect to body image stuff is, we can have our own internal monologue, right? We can look at our kid. And Zoe Bisbing, who ran the Full Bloom Project and now has an Instagram account called um, My Body Positive Home, talks about registering your own disgust when you look at your kid. Like, do not self-edit when you look at a kid and think, oh my God, that's not how I thought their body was gonna turn out. Or like, oh my God, they're taking another helping of food when I just bought them new pants, right? Like be really honest internally about how you are reacting to your kid's changing body. Just don't say it to your kid. Say it to your partner, say it to your therapist, say it to your best friend, like find a safe place to let that stuff out, but leave the comments to your kid as neutral, neutral positive, supportive, empowering. And there's so many parts of puberty, not just body image, where like what we're thinking in our own minds Mm -hmm. is exactly what we don't want to say to a kid, but we have to make space somewhere in our lives for that internal monologue to come out. Because eventually it will come out somehow, somewhere, sometime, and it will come out sideways if we don't give it a chance to come out, you know, in a safe, constructive way.
3: If you need a rationale for why you might approach a conversation that way, just flashback to your own transformation. Okay. Which by the way, must I?
2: (laughs) Oh yes. Welcome to your past. We're here for you, Zibi. Thank
3: you. Thank you. Yours went twice as fast. As this I know right, that okay. was another
0: thing about the book that I was like, "Oh gosh, really?"
3: Yes. So
0: it's going it's twice like, as twice as slow, and I have four kids, so I'm like, twice. oh "My God, that's like the rest of my life." It basically. is. I mean,
3: yes. I, <laughs> I always say I wanted to call this book "Puberty is Like Taffy." Everyone else hated that title, but I love that title because it is. It has just stretched and stretched and stretched, and so I want you to flashback to your own puberty, your own body transformation. A, it felt like forever and it was half as long as it is now. And B, you had no idea where it was going. You didn't know how tall you were going to be. You didn't know how curvy you were going to be. You didn't know how your hair texture was going to change or your hair color. You didn't know if you were going to have zits everywhere or no zits anywhere. You had no idea of any of it. And that is their same reality. And so we, when it comes to things like body image, sometimes we adults approach things as if they should have clarity that it's all going to be fine in the end. Well first of all th- that's really a very destructive approach, right? We we don't know where any of it is landing. And second of all, their brains don't really care what's happening in another 5, 10, 15, 20 years. That is not their mental orientation. And so as you, you know, start to to unwrap your own kind of layers of your own onion on all of this. And and our advice is very strongly to leave those layers behind when you get into conversation with kids. But as you start to sort of think about your own experiences through and your own biases, you have to transport yourself back to that moment where you didn't know how it was going to all work out because that's what they're living. Yeah. No fun.
0: I did appreciate, by the way, you mentioned that we had no idea how tall we would be and all that stuff. I loved your calculator of how the (laughs) equations of how tall. I was like, no way. So I'm like sitting there, like (laughs) grab my phone. I'm like, calculator.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's what makes me popular
2: at a cocktail party. Do you you like this line? My mother always says to me, you were supposed to be taller. Mm. (laughs) You were supposed to be five nine. I'm like, I'm really sorry? Like, I don't know what to tell you. So that's the thing. Even with the little calculator, we can end up, you know, our all of our expectations, our hopes and dreams of how they're going to turn out, you know, it may just not happen that way. But it is a, it is a really fun... We spent a long time formatting that in the book, actually, because we wanted to make sure it was just right the calculations look
0: perfect. just yeah. right. I, I took um my daughter to the Barnes Noble in Union Square the other day and they have a Starbucks there. So she was ordering a refresher, which we've gotten like all summer long. I don't know if you Oh my God. Yeah. So my, my daughter's
3: obsessed Right. With so refresher. the
0: barista was like, just so you know, there's as much caffeine in here as in an espresso. And I was like, what? There's caffeine in refreshers? And then, and literally my daughter who's 10 was like, looks up at me. She's like, that's why I'm so short. You're short because I'm five 5'2". Like, you oh. know, you're not going to be tall. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You've had like four refreshers or something. Maybe it's like 10 refreshers. I don't know. Anyway. Wait, but, my uh, daughter
2: drinks those weird dragon fruit yeah. coconut yeah. milk. There's caffeine in those? Yeah. Oh my God. She has so much energy already. So I think we need <laughs> yeah. to cut back on like this explains a lot. <laughs> this explains a lot. <laughs>
0: I like flashback to all the bedtimes. I'm like, anyway, no, but it's nice that you had some, some predictive, predictive stuff in here. A little
4: Um, quick math.
0: A little quick math.
4: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.
1: PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How do you prepare kids then
0: while they're in the throes of it and Things are changing now. It's slower. There is no way to predict. It's hard for grown-ups to handle things that are out of our control. And I know you address a lot of things in this book with a great script, which I honestly found very, very helpful. But how do you cope? I mean, how do you let? how do you make kids who were so young see that they're really just a point they can't really understand? You know what I'm talking about? Like that they're part of a bigger context of life and this will pass. They're
2: not going to believe you, you know? No, I mean, it's so hard for kids when you're like, oh, don't worry. It'll be fine. Like they don't know what that means. And the hardest part about talking to kids about puberty when they ask about the when is that often the answer is, I don't know. And that's so hard as a parent to say to a kid, I don't know. I wish I had the answer Mm -hmm. for you, but I don't know. And, you know, we've gotten those questions from hundreds and hundreds of kids in workshops. We've gotten those questions in our own homes and everything in between. And depending on the topic, there are some signs. So, like, a super common question is, when is my, how do I know when my daughter's going to get her period? Right. That's like a really, really common question. And the short answer is, I don't know, but there are some signs and, you know, there's some, some like goalposts along the way. With other stuff, it's like kids will say, when am I going to grow? Everybody else is taller than I am. When am I going to grow? And again, the short answer is, I don't know. But the longer answer is we can talk to your pediatrician. We can check in. There may be stuff happening that we don't know as lay people, but a medical professional could actually give us some more information. And Sometimes that's just a nice form of reassurance. I think that the the most interesting part is being along for the ride in the discomfort with kids. Like that shows them two things. One that you love them no matter what, whether they're, you know, growing and blooming and glowing up or whether they look the same as they did a year ago and are feeling crummy about it. And the second thing is life is uncomfortable. And so when we look at puberty in the context of the larger panoply of life, learning to sit in discomfort and uncertainty is actually a really great skill to develop. And if we can be their companions in it, I think that's really powerful for kids. Okay,
3: I have a couple of side comments. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if I can remember <laughs> always, them all. Always, did you write them down? <laughs> no, and my my menopausal brain is really struggling right now. Okay, side comment number one is the three words I don't know are a tremendous cred builder. So don't ever go to a doctor who never utters those words. Okay, if a doctor says I don't know, that's a smart, thoughtful doctor. I don't know. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. That's it. and so you I mean, want to be. I really a,
0: prefer that they know, but okay, right? <laughs> of course you, of course, but but I don't think
2: you're making Zibby feel better. Tara. <laughs> there is,
3: there is. <laughs> There's this posturing need to always know everything and always be right. And it's not that like you can't look in the air and go, yeah, it's an air infection, but there are bigger questions in life to which the answer is, I don't know. I'm gonna get back to you or I'm gonna do some tests or I'm gonna do whatever. I don't know when you're the adult in the situation. That's cred building. What that says is, I do not pretend to have all the information. I will validate whatever I tell you. What comes out of my mouth is reliable. You can trust it, okay? And it's not to say you should answer it always that way, but I don't want people to be afraid of that phrase. So that was number one. Number two, oh, come on, brain. (laughs) (laughs) Number two was, as Vanessa was talking about the different scenarios of kids who prompt you with questions, there is, of course, the gigantic subset of kids who don't ask a thing, Mm -hmm. They don't ask. They don't engage in conversation. And even when you prompt them, they don't answer. They might grunt. They might just walk away. They might just shut the door. We don't like the word normal because normal confers judgment. However, this is a time when I want to emphasize that that is totally normal. It can, you know, kids who shut you out can also be kids who are struggling with other things and it can be very hard to distinguish. But it is a very, very typical developmental stage for kids to shut their parents out of the equation. And if you ever wanna be reassured by your kid's silence, just put your ear up to their door and listen to them laughing and chatting with all their friends. And you can be like, okay, we're, we're good. They're just being age appropriate with me. But that just is an invitation to work harder to get into conversation. And it doesn't mean lecturing them, except when it's really an emergency and necessary. But what it does mean is... <laughs> constantly circling back with the prompts. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you again. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep asking because I love you. Like, I'm just curious about this one thing. And if they don't engage and they don't engage and they don't engage, it's like when they were babies and they needed to try a new food 10 times before they didn't spit it out anymore. Conversations around all of this very tricky stuff, That that's that. You You have to try them. And then the third thing, I can't remember... I did all three. I'm so excited. The third thing is that you want to baby step this. So even if you feel like you're starting a little bit late, don't go in big and heavy and and get to the really juicy stuff first. Toe your way into these conversations. Start basic. If a kid rolls their eyes at you, great. That's confirmation that they are way past that part of the conversation. But... You know, you want to work your way into it. There's, It's really never too early to start having open conversations with kids. Never too early. It's just the content of those conversations that'll shift. Okay, that's it.
0: (laughs) Did you expect when you started your podcast that it would be as huge as it has become? Or was this a surprise? How do you feel about it? What do you think?
2: Can you tell the Bumitsma story, please? Okay, I'll tell the story. So we are thrilled that so many people find the podcast meaningful and valuable to their lives, and I will tell you that on the bar mitzvah circuit, we are celebrities because I was at a bar mitzvah. It was actually a family bar mitzvah, and my brother Nick Kroll, who's a super famous comedian, was on one side of me, and my husband Roger Bennett, who's host of the Men and Blazers podcast, was on the other side of me, and a pack of women ignored my brother and ignored my husband and came up to me and were like, are you the puberty podcast? We are so <laughs> excited to meet you. And it was, I called car and I was like, okay, we're good. We, just got it. <laughs> <laughs> we and, made it. And I will tell you one other thing about our podcast is 25% of our listeners are male, hmm. which tells us that people write off men as not caring and not being involved in these conversations with kids, but we are here to tell you they care, they wanna be involved, they wanna be a part of it. So for people listening who are shouldering the burden themselves and feel like their partners or ex-partners or co-parents are not in on it, they can do this and it's awesome for the kids in our lives if they are included. So yes, we are are the puberty revolution, Zibby. You have to come on our podcast. Sure. I'd love to. Okay, And you can talk about, we can share all of our painful (laughs) past stories. That's originally what the podcast was going to be. People coming on and telling their own puberty stories. And then we would go from there. But we decided that people wanted a lot more science and a lot more advice and maybe less trauma. So we <laughs> <laughs> the They still constant. want a little trauma. They love that. Yeah, they do like the They do like the trauma.
0: <laughs> From a book perspective, what is your advice for people who want to write a book with a friend or a colleague and don't know how to really do that in a
2: good way? How do you I do love this question. I love this question so much because this is Cara's 10th book. For those of you who don't know, Cara wrote the Karen Keeping of You series. She updated the first book, wrote a bunch of others. She also wrote Decoding Boys and a bunch of other amazing books. This is my first book. (laughs) (laughs) So slightly different experience. It was an incredible experience writing together. I learned so much from Cara. She's a brutal editor. Brutal in the best way, because my philosophy is why say something in three words when you can say it in 20. But we had so much fun together. And for people who are thinking, I can't possibly do it. I mean, Zibi, you've shown the world that nothing is impossible. You've like taken the entire publishing and book world on your shoulders and are like, here, let's just go forth and give it a shot. But I will tell you, the joy of writing this book together was one of the most thrilling experiences of my life. And we did it in a summer on Zoom for three months straight, we said. Yeah,
3: I think that ditto, ditto, ditto. I think it deserves a little mention that when we sold our book, the contract had us turning it in the first week of September of 2023. So, you know, now basically. Mm-hmm. And that would put it on bookstore shelves in the very run-up to a presidential election. And the last book that I published, that's when I published. I published in February of 2020, right? Great time to publish a book. And, you know, pandemic aside, it was all political news. And I said to Vanessa, I'm not going to do that. And this, we we know everything we want to write. We live this. This is not us figuring out or doing research. This is us just sharing everything we know. So listen people do this, I said to Vanessa, lying through my teeth. He's so full, I of said, it. people do this. They write a book in three months. It's totally fine. And Vanessa's like, <laughs> really? They do? And I said, yes, it's totally doable. And she was like, okay, that sounds great. So we turned in in September of 2022 in order to be able to publish now. Only after we turned in did Vanessa say to me, is that really something people do because I feel like that was really hard to do and I was like yes that's I've no one's ever done that and our editor is like you people are masochists, you know but it was a it was a 3 month brain dump and it was so fun it was so fun
0: That's amazing I love that So get ahead of your deadlines, find <laughs> someone who is totally in the dark about the process and yes. drag them through your, like, <laughs> and have, we,
3: we tease one of us is a Google Sheets person and one of us is a Google oh Docs person. I this am a is Google, Google
0: Docs person. Yes. Okay. So, oh Thank you.
3: you need one of each if no. you're going to write together because a Google Sheets person at the outlines, the timelines, right? There's some structure. And the Google Docs person is the creative and the the ability to bring in story. And I'm just saying it's a great combination. Ziby,
2: this is what every single morning sounded like when we were writing the book. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it was like this. So <gasps> in the to-do sheet, and I just want to cross some stuff. Off our list. Okay, great. Now I'm going to tell you exactly how things are going to go today. And you've known me long enough for the last 35 minutes to know I am normally someone who's like, okay, people, here's how life is going to (laughs) go. But meanwhile, Cara's like, here's how life is going to go. And my sister, who I bossed around our whole childhood, was just laughing in the corner that I found someone who was as comfortable directing the future of the day as I am. And it was just like, it's totally, it's, but it's when you write about, you know this, when you write about something you love, something that feels so incredibly important to you that you're passionate about, that you believe in, it's like anything is possible, including dealing with someone who loves Google Sheets as much (laughs) as Karen does. And when you respect your partner
0: our managing editor at my company has all these like production deadlines and all this stuff. I literally emailed her yesterday. I was like, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to need you to put this in word and like, and here's how. Like this is the date and here's it. but it's all in letters.
2: You know what I mean? Like I I can't like see it. I can help her
3: translate. Yeah, I can do that. It's embarrassing.
2: BS. You never translate it. You just make me. (laughs) We didn't have time, (laughs) Vanessa.
3: We didn't
0: have time. Well, somehow YouTube pulled it off and the book is great. This is so awkward. Congratulations. I'll wait for the uh, second volume, which I'll eagerly uh, devour. <laughs> you can take my title. It's fine. And I hope to see you guys soon. I'm so excited you're doing the event in Zippy's bookstore, Zippy's bookshop. I can't even get my own thing right. And uh, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate
2: it. Thank, thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Okay. So happy to be with you.
0: Okay. Hope to see you soon. Bye. Bye.
4: only from rustolium